The Talking Points podcast is produced in partnership with C. Michael Gibson and clinicaltrialresults.org. Well, welcome to TCT 2020 virtually, and I'm joined by Jeff Moses. We're talking about embolic protection during TAVR. Talk to us, Jeff, about the REFLECT2 study. Well, this was a study looking at a new device that was called the TriGuard 3, which is a little different from what people are used to with the Sentinel. This is a device which actually is inserted through the femoral access site through an eight-frame sheath where you put the pigtail. So it's very similar to the usual treat, you know, treatment algorithm. And it just sits uh, as a mesh that covers all three vessels, again, unlike the Sentinel, and presumably project, protects the entire brain from embolic debris. debris. It doesn't capture it, it, it's a deflector. How big is the uh, holes are in that mesh? I mean, it's about 100 and change versus 145. That's the, uh, that's the pore size. Got to get blood to the brain somehow. Yeah, I can't stop, I can't stop that. <laughs> yeah. So what was the design of the study, Jeff? Well, you know, these studies, as you know, are very complex. And frankly, you know, it's been a, it's been a, a journey on this. And this, this was, uh, of course, designed before the Claret was approved. And it's two-phase study. Number one is looking at safety against objective performance criteria. Though we did have an active control, which wasn't powered to, but just for comparison. And the other part was efficacy, uh, which was compared to you know, a control group, uh, which is a, a little exotic, only that we had our active controls, but we also had a first phase of the study that we kept blinded and we employed those controls as well in order to maximize our power. Uh, that was again, a hierarchical endpoint combining clinical and neurologic and, um, and MRI criteria. So it was done by the Finkelstein-Schoenfeld method, which yes. I still don't totally understand, but I'm getting there. At least you can say it. I mean, that's the first step. <laughs> Uh, so, Jeff, what did you what did you see? Well, we saw in terms of the performance that it did meet its safety criteria by well below the uh, it was fifteen percent mace, and the uh, the uh, the criteria was thirty four with an OPC of twenty five. So it was well below that in terms of the safety. Um, when we compared it to the active controls. Um, there were some imbalances in the groups uh, with a very much higher rate in the, in the uh, treatment arm of prior strokes, which as you know, leads to stroke begets strokes in, in, in the, the tabular, which is probably the only real predictor. Um, and also the control group was small and pristine. It was like, it was like a banana republic election. It was a bunch of zero. So, and most of the uh, complications, and we learned this in terms of how we should design future trials, were really TAVR related. There was bleeds or vascular complications. So there was an imbalance. Uh, the stroke rates were, uh, were similar, it, certainly in hospital. As a matter of fact, they only had, there was only 0.6% uh, disabling stroke in hospital. But the aggregate we had was uh, over 30 days again i think a design flaw when because we're working on we were working more off the taver vark data and we should really 
think a little differently for these trials. So there, there was no, there was a slight increase in 30 day stroke, not significantly, of course, with the device, but that was a cruel of events from discharge out to, um, at, you know, out to 30 days. Right. Uh, the, the, we did learn about the device and technique because um, there was full coverage, what we would call all three vessels was maintained throughout the procedure uh, only about 60% of the time. Mm. And that was a matter of technique and training and the like. And frankly, that has actually progressed a lot more recently with the learnings that we've had from this trial. So what are some of the next steps for this device? Well, I think um, there, you know, it's, uh, we've, they changed the loader to make sure that it stays aligned. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, and the, it seems preliminary data, the feedback we're getting from Europe is that it's much more stable and we are getting full coverage virtually universally. Um, I think, uh, I think that's going to be key. And I think uh, we need to collect, you know, uh, clinical data verifying that that is, um, you know, that that can be maintained because we do see an MRI analysis, some very clever analysis done by the, uh, the guys up in Buffalo, where they actually did a gradient looking at lesion size and 100 millimeter cube cuts and mm. found that the, the, as you might expect, the filter's main effect is cutting the larger lesions. And these sure. are the lesions that don't go away on MRI, you know, on subsequent MRI. So right. there's very strong signals here, but we need to verify it clinically as well. So where are we with the FDA on using signals like that for approval rather than hard endpoints? Where's the FDA coming down these days? Yeah. Well, I mean, the FDA actually started this by looking at the MRIs. The problem is, you know, we were looking at total volume. Well, is are a lot of little ones as much as one medium-sized one? Probably not. And, we, you know, so we think we need, I think this analysis, hopefully, and we're looking at, there are some preliminary data indicating that there's some good clinical correlates with the larger ones and not with the smaller ones. And we're working that out, we're fleshing that out with more data and we'll see where that goes. And that may help shift our focus in the MRIs to something maybe more clinically relevant than just a global number. Well, this is interesting. I mean, this, the regulatory science evolves as does the device, right? So uh, it's a rapidly changing field. Yes, yes. And, you know, and, you know, it's, you know, intuitively, this makes perfect sense from the early days of TAP. We said, okay, let's just stop the debris. But we haven't had a, a real positive trial yet. And I'm certainly looking forward to that. Boston is, as you know, doing a 2000 patient trial, looking at clinical endpoints. Oh, shoot, sorry. Yeah, well, we may need bigger sample sizes. Uh, yeah. To see something. yeah, well, the problem is these are small companies. As right. You know, and they, you know, the FDA does try to accommodate realistic, uh, you know, realistic goals given, you know, budgetary constraints. Right. And these have only been several hundred patient trials. So for really clinical endpoints, you do need, you know, multi, you know, thousand, two thousand patient trials. But right. we, we do have one in the hopper, so we'll see where that goes. All right. Well, Jeff, congratulations. Look forward to seeing uh, what you find with the next iteration of the device. Okay. Excellent. Good seeing you. And, and thanks, everybody, for joining us here virtually from TCT 2020.